Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Technology Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about tech. It could be anything like, what's the future of Uber, given all of the drama that's going on there? Or is my smart speaker listening to every word that I say? Yes. Why did Sony just put out a $700 e-paper tablet that everyone's talking no about idea. on the internet this morning? No idea. I mean, did Kara miss me when I took the day off last not, Friday? Not even slightly. Oh. I didn't even know you were gone. That's it. The podcast is over. How can Goodbye. I miss you if you won't go away? Goodbye. Oh, wait, you went away. I didn't miss you. <laughs> anyway, so send us your questions. We really do listen to them all. Find us on Twitter and tweet them to us at, at Recoder to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag too embarrassed. Did you have a wild weekend? I did have you a good weekend. You sound kind of throaty. No, I got a cold. It's called a cold. I don't, I don't have a wild life, Lauren. I have a very dull boring life. Did you go to Soul Cycle with Casey? Is I did. That how you got? So you <laughs> did. did. You yeah, actually I did. did. I was yeah. joking. That's yeah. how you no, got we this did. voice. No, I was like, oh no, I did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of, I did many fun things this weekend. So it sounds like you had a wild weekend. Yeah, wild, like for me. Wild. Like, no. All no, right. Dull old lady life. Anyway. Well, yeah. So tweet mm-hmm. us your questions. Could be anything. Could be about Kara's experience at SoulCycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have an email address, embarrassed at recode.net. And a reminder, embarrassed has two R's and two S's. And while you're at it, have a listen to our previous episodes, too, which you can find on iTunes at iTunes.com slash embarrassed. So last week, we had Recode reporter Tony Rom on. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first time, he was great, great, actually. We got a lot of feedback from listeners who really enjoyed the podcast with him. Yeah. But we talked, but it was a the first of a two-part series about privacy and security in light right. of some of the changes that have been happening with a new government administration. That would be the Trump administration. You said it, not me. Okay. All right. Now, they have put in, uh, you know, we covered a lot of topics. Tony was amazing. And mostly about policy changes that could potentially impact how consumers use the internet. We covered net neutrality. We talked about the Trump administration's attitude towards science and innovation, which is to say they don't think science is good, apparently, because they haven't appointed... It's a hoax. It's a hoax. Science is fake news. And we talked a lot about these new policies they put into place, which give internet uh, service providers an ability to uh, get a lot of data on you. So it's a little, it's a really interesting time. So, right. Which, and which, as Tony uh, explained, you know, they'd had these rights before, but some, in some ways, some things haven't changed, but at the right. same time, everything has changed. Right. This is a more friendly administration to big business. Right. And so this week, as part of our two-part Tony podcast, mm-hmm. uh, this week we're focused on security, things right. like encryption, VPNs, the Internet of Things, and other potential vulnerabilities. We've been getting a lot of questions about all of these topics since Donald Trump came into office. Yeah. So we're thrilled to have security expert Tony Gambacorda on the show. Tony is a private security consultant who's worked for Citrix, uh, Silvertail Systems, RSA Security. And most recently, he was at Cinec, a Silicon Valley firm that crowdsources vulnerability testing. Uh, and now he's running his own company. It's called 1585 Security, and he focuses a lot on the hacking of Internet of Things devices. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is great. Tony, part two. And a little known trivia, Tony is the person who taught me how to pick a lock and find my way out of handcuffs at one point. I don't even want to understand why you were looking to get it's out of It's a good handcuffs. thing to know how to do. Yeah, I guess. Thanks, you want to Tony. get out of them. You know? <laughs> I do live in San Francisco. People want to get in them here. Anyway, Tony, let's talk Thank about these security issues because I think one of the things that has happened is people are very worried about this administration. They should be worried about all administrations. I mean, I don't think the Obama administration you know, slathered itself in glory around these issues, fighting Apple and others. So, um, but people are very concerned about this. And as more hacking happens, it's something that I think about a lot. I think a lot of people think about. So what would you say the biggest security concern consumers should have right now, given the recent policy changes and the overall increasing sophistication of bad actors? I'd say probably the biggest issue is the fact that there's such an information asymmetry out there, that the people who are on the carrier side uh, know a lot about how this technology works. The consumers don't know much about how it works, and and perhaps even more terrifying, the legislators have no idea how the technology works. And as a consequence, people can kind of pull one over on you from time to time. And what does that mean? What would be the pull what over exactly? Uh, So when people are, when you see laws like we 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 saw with the FCC, uh, where it was a a pretty common sense approach, it's an easy easy play for anybody who understands the space, but uh, they were able to repeal it because they use some sort of fallacious arguments that, hey, we need to be on. Well, explain that for regular people. No, they need to be on, the, the big argument they gave was they needed to be on equal footing with Google and, and other people out there that are on the, more on the application so side. So they have to be equal footing to invade your privacy. Exactly. Right. right. The, the difference here being that I can opt out of using Google. So if I have something embarrassing that I'm, I want to learn about, uh, I don't have to use Google to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go off and do something else. It's not easy, but I can go do it with somebody else. But 
with my internet service provider, they're the only game in town. So mm-hmm. they're going to see all of my traffic all the time. And that's a really big difference that seems to have been lost kind of in the, in the commotion here in mm-hmm. the exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a very big gap between policy and technical capability. And mm-hmm. I think that's an area where people can get sort of the power back on their side again. All right. We're going to talk about those tools in a minute. But what, what would you think is the, are the biggest security concerns right now? Is, is the invasion of all these devices into your homes or that your mobile phone is with you all the time or that cameras are everywhere? There's so many things to be I, paranoid I would, about. I would say that there's a very fast ramp of adoption for things like IoT devices. Uh, there's a gold rush happening, so people right. are charging into it. And as a consequence, they don't always understand how things work. And if you're desperate to get a product to market as quickly as you can and kind of jam commodity sensors into it, you're more focused on the commercials maybe than you are about the privacy aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a concern. So IoT devices, you think right now, that's the that's the gold mine for companies, marketers, advertisers, but it's also, you think, the biggest potential pitfall. It, it creates such consumers. a rich data set, mm-hmm. uh, especially for a device like a wearable or something like that that's with you all the time, uh, that for that to exist and you to have no visibility into how it communicates, mm-hmm. right? If you have a, a Fitbit or if you have any other sort of, of item on your person, you don't get to see that it's using HTTPS or HTTP. You just know that it's on its trading information, but how it's doing, that's totally opaque to you. No. Kara uh, doesn't use Fitbits ever. Never. She calls them her unwearables. They yeah. all end up in a drawer. Yeah, She's more secure than the rest of us. Oh. I'm sure some CIA agent has put something in here, but they took them. At least they had to make an effort mm-hmm. to do so. So talk about that. So the IoT, this is first, let's talk about wearables. So they, it could communicate anything back, voice or presumably, right now they don't do that, but they could, correct? Well, I think what, what people need to remember is that these are devices. They don't know what they're for, mm-hmm. right? So if you have something that's got a camera and a microphone on it, uh, and it's running some you know, embedded software, uh, you could use it as a toy or mm-hmm. you could use it as a weapon. It's just all about the context of right. what's happening there. Right. And then in the home, these new, the Amazon Echoes, the, the Google devices, there's some one coming from Apple soon, allegedly. All these things have that these capabilities of just being present and you forgetting about them being there. I, I think so, yeah. So when you, you think about like a, a device that's got an always-on microphone, it's these are exactly the sorts of things that people uh, freak out about in any other context. My mm-hmm. house is bugged, right? right. But, but when right. this happens to us because we paid for it, we, we love it. Now, as far as the FCC stuff goes, that stuff is generally encrypted when it's mm-hmm. going across the wire. So good news is that you know the, the, the Comcast, everybody else, they're not going to be able to, to intercept those communications. They're not going to hear what you asked Alexa, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the provider still will, but, but right. they'll be blind to it. Right. By the provider, you mean the, not the inter- internet service provider or the Sorry, maker of the, the technology? The maker, the maker of the technology right. is going to be able to receive and interpret, and they're going to build a nice, big, rich data set on all the things that you like and what you do and how often you use it. Right. Uh, but your yeah, because right now, if I, if I do a voice search through any of them, like through Amazon Alexa, for example, mm-hmm. or Google Home, you can then go into the mobile app and see a literal log of the things you've just asked. That's exactly I mean, right. it's not encrypted. It's just plain text. It's well, right you can there. see it there, but as it's being transmitted back up to the cloud, mm-hmm. Uh, so in other words, as it's crossing through the, the carrier's network, uh, in that point, it's encrypted. But it still gets to the company and who knows what Absolutely. ridiculous systems they have in place. So Some a, guy named Phil is just happening to look at it. There's actually it. probably a small army. Of, yeah. uh, there's a reason why it's so darn hard to hire data scientists and data engineers right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have such a rich data set and no one's really quite sure how we're going to like finagle it all mm-hmm. into something that they can monetize. Mm-hmm. But they certainly don't create something like that so they can just, aw shucks, make it easier to figure out what the weather is. So going back a little bit, you know, obviously the first one is the phone that you're carrying all the time, which you've become so comfortable with. And so, you know, you just, it's like an extension of your yourself. Talk a little bit about where that is. And then we want to do talk about what you can do, like some of the things that you can do to protect against these things. But the phone seems to me is the first point of contact with everybody and how comfortable people are with it. I think people, yeah, I think you nailed it. People are just very comfortable. Uh, you know, when you have this this big emotional response to something, eventually you get fatigued and you, you get tired of being in this, this state of awareness all the time and you let your guard down. As a consequence, we tend to install apps and we don't really think about what permissions they're asking for, mm-hmm. depending on the operating system you're using. Sometimes it doesn't even give you a choice, right? Mm-hmm. It just says you're either going to take this or leave it. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked by the permissions that are requested by a lot of different apps. I saw one the other day that was for a for watering a plant, mm-hmm. uh, but it still wanted to have access to my camera, uh, my contact list, uh, all my right. network information, my, my, my GPS, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, that's an area that's going to get more and more interesting because you're not you're not you're you're not on high alert there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not thinking like, hey, this is a, an app that's tracking me. Right. Uh, I actually go no. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck and you, you every time. download the app. No, I do, I do. I just don't give it permissions. Like, And then I turn on and off permissions constantly. Yeah. But I don't think people are I like think the that. average person, when they install it by yeah, default, they just, they just flip the button and then that's where yes. it goes. Yeah. And when you're dealing with a, a targeted, so let's you know, pretend for a moment these people are attackers as opposed mm-hmm. to marketers. Right. A targeted attacker 
is going to be frustrated by you turning things on and off. Mm-hmm. It's going to try to figure out other ways to do it. These marketers are opportunistic. They, mm-hmm. they don't want you know you or me. We don't have a picture of ourselves up on a, on a bulletin board mm-hmm. somewhere, right? So they're going to just you're not going to have to worry about them because mm-hmm. there's so many people who are willing to swim into the net right. uh, that you know, you're sort of uh, immune that and way. I guess I mean I Sorry. guess I wonder on a on a bigger scale right now when we're talking about what we should be most concerned about when it comes to online privacy and security. It seems like there are so many different sort of ways or areas that we can be concerned about. Like there's you know okay we have a new administration we see some policies changing there's that we have these big giant tech companies these all knowing tech companies and they have access to specific information. Then there are marketers, advertisers, right? And then, like, so we should be concerned about that to some extent. And then I guess there's us and our own ignorance, we the consumers. And then there are bad actors, and there are hackers, right? So, like, who's the biggest concern right now, would you say? Like, if you were telling people, yeah, you need to be concerned about privacy, why? I would say is depends very much on what kind of person you are. So if you're the kind of person who uh, inherently does not trust your government, then I would be very, very concerned about what's happening with the administration. We're seeing time and time again when there's an opportunity to give themselves a little bit more power, they're taking it. Does this mean that, uh, to your point, that Obama was a saint about this? No, no president has been a saint about this. That's why I say it's not about administration, it's about your government. How much do you want them to actually have access to? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're worried more about uh, your lifestyle, and what's going to happen there? Then I would say be more worried about the the marketing. The you know, is, what does Apple know? What does everybody else know? Um, personally, I don't let my kid interact with these devices because I don't feel like anybody really needs to have that. I don't feel like it. You know, she's losing very much in her life by not signing information away uh, to, to other people. So it really kind of comes down to how you you think and feel about the problem. But ultimately, I do think that the greatest threat is our own ignorance because we don't understand how these systems work. You don't, granted, you can get really deep in the weeds, you can really geek out on this stuff, but even just a high level understanding of a lot of it will help people at least become more educated, make some more informed decisions about it. Yeah, because honestly, there are some days where it seems like I'm not quite sure where to direct my concern about my own online privacy and security. It, yeah, it can be a it can be a scary thing, and again, my fear with that is that when you get scared by things, you, you tend to get fatigued by them, and we, we relax after a while. Right? Mm-hmm. Some things that, that become the new normal now are, are actually really weird and not okay. All right, so list those things. What people should do. Let's think about just the very basics of hygiene, like but security hygiene. So the, the most proactive thing you can do is just to understand what's going on. So if you try to think about all the tech and all, all the moving parts, it gets really tough. Think of it uh, a more simple kind of a thought experiment. Um, we all work in the same office building, and there's an old school mailroom that I work in. Mm-hmm. Right? So by the nature of my position, I'm going to get to see a lot and learn a lot about what's going on in the company. But what people do and how they interact with me influences the granularity of my knowledge. Right. So when Lauren wants to send something in or out, all her stuff comes in as a loose pile of papers. Uh, I can rifle through it. I can read whatever I want. I have as much information about her columns as, as she does. Uh, When Eric comes in, uh, he puts everything in an envelope and it's signed. So I could try to sneak my way into the envelope, but people wouldn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I can't see the details of what's going on, but I'm not totally blind. I can see how often he's sending things, who he's sending it to, right? How thick is the envelope and everything else, but the actual details are gone. And then let's say you care, like, um, you know, you don't trust me even a little bit. So you, you, it's a smart move. So you've hired a courier. And that courier, all I know now is like, hey, look, Dave the courier comes in here 16 times a day. Dave Uh, the courier is my cousin, too. Anyway, go you got to get the blood ties to keep the trust <laughs> up. So you just, all I can know is, is that. I can see how heavy his bag is. I can see how often mm. he comes in, but I'm not going to have much more information. It's exactly the same thing with your web traffic. Right. If you're sending stuff over HTTP, like when you're web browsing, I can see all of it. I can right. rifle through it. I can monkey with it. If it's HTTPS, can I intercept it? Sure, I can. But it's going to throw those warnings you see in Chrome that say, you know, hey, someone might be listening and all that other kind of fun stuff. Right. But if you use a, a VPN service like a courier, all I'm going to see is that this traffic is going in and out. I can still measure it. I can create a traffic graph, you know, bytes in, bytes out. But I can't know anything about the content sure. that's in there. So how does that manifest in, you know, we're talking about a mailroom here. How does that manifest? So the very first basic thing is not to be promiscuous on a public network, for mm-hmm. example. Don't ever go on public networks. I use public Wi-Fi with a VPN. Okay. Right. So you have to, so like you're a Starbucks, for example. If I go and to Starbucks. public Wi-Fi. What do you, put, walk through the steps very briefly. So I would say, first of all, 99.9% of the time I'm using my phone and I'm tethered to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't do that, uh, I have a, a VPN that I bought. Uh, mm-hmm. It costs me like $6 a month. Mm-hmm. And when I have to go into a public network like that, I just click on. 
uh, and then it routes all of my traffic. So it basically becomes opaque to anybody who else is on that network or anybody uh, along the chain, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody else at, at Starbucks ISP. This is on your computer. This is on my computer. And on your phone? Uh, don't have the same protections on my phone. What do you do then? Because right. that's where you do get on uh, public networks often. I tend to not for to that not, very reason because it's either. just there's just not yeah. enough visibility into what's going on. When I open up an app, I have no really good way of knowing is right. this thing sending it encrypted or not? So right, I'm pretty right. judicious about it. So is there anything you can do on the phone that protects it? There are minor changes you can make here and there, but if we're being honest about it for the average consumer, no. There, no. There's, there's not, there just isn't that kind of control. So don't get on public there. networks with your mobile phone. I would be darn cautious about it. And what happens? Explain to people what happens. If you're lucky, you get out. Nobody steals your stuff. But if you're not lucky. So if I'm sitting in the same Starbucks as you and you're using an open connection, I've got a little thing called an alpha card. It costs like 20 bucks on, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can just listen to all the traffic that's going back and forth. And mm -hmm. so I can see all the people that are there uh, and I can monitor what's happening. So if they were sending uh, you know, privileged information, I'd be able to see it. If they were searching WebMD, which doesn't even use HTTPS, it's, it's crazily enough with medical information, it's HTTP. So if you're searching WebMD for you know, super embarrassing thing, mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna be able to see what that is and, right. and know what's going on. And will you be able to see into emails, for example? If those emails are going back and forth in plain text with no protection on them, mm -hmm. I would be able to see it, yeah. Right. Like, thankfully, I, most people are doing it right. The, mm -hmm. the problem is for those times when you know, they're, they're not doing it right. right. So you're that guy in a plane. When everyone is logged onto the Wi-Fi in a plane, you're like that guy that's like, I know what everybody on this plane is looking at right I now. would like to formally state for the record <laughs> that under no circumstances do I do anything on aircraft, and but I love could. our friends at the FAA. But you could. And the fact is that anybody, anybody could. Anybody the, the, could. The initial, uh, there's an initial investment, I would say probably about like 100 hours or so if you're, if you're already kind of technically inclined to, to get up to that level where you can like, oh, this is a protocol. It's not dark magic. I can see no. how it all works. Mm -hmm. And then it's usually less than $100 to go out and buy the hardware uh, that you would need to be able to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not be trackable either. No, 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 you're completely dark. So when I, for example, when I use that Wi-Fi uh, stuff, uh, again, for only for entertainment purposes, uh, I actually change my hardware address. Mm -hmm. uh, I can do so dynamically, so you can't even track that track level. Doing it. It. So the next level, I guess, is browsing, browsing, right, beyond that. So you're connected to the internet, and maybe you're connected securely, let's hope, and maybe you're not, but then you're gonna browse. Do you use Tor? Do you recommend using something like Tor? You... I So what I would say is you gotta think about what your trade-off is there. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, I don't trust this ISP. I don't trust this environment. So I'm gonna route my traffic through a bunch of strangers' networks, and then I'm going to trust mm -hmm. them more than I trust these other kinds of people. That's a personal choice that you have to make. Mm -hmm. I will say, um, and I think we learned about some of this and some of the leaks that have happened, a lot of those Tor exit nodes, if you're in the, you know, I fear my government side, kind of made sense, right? They all went right. and took over those nodes and they own them anyway. Right, so, so it doesn't matter. In it's that kind, of a, kind of a mixed game there. Yeah. Right, um, if they really want to get to you in that way. But a VPN, before you mentioned, is advisable, at least at the, it's like a basic lock. It's like a pretty good lock to, yeah. to do that. And you pay for the, v, you do not take free v, VPNs. We want to stress that. If you didn't pay for it, you are the product being sold, full right. stop. Right. So, yeah, just like you are on Facebook, there's a reason why Can it's Can you free. give us some names of some? Uh, yeah, American Private Internet's a great one. American uh, Private Internet? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. that's the one that I use. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's, uh, there's there's quite a few other ones that are out there. You right, shoot but paying there. for them is... Paying for it. Paying yeah. for it all yeah. the time. All right, so that's the first part. Second is in your home, listening devices. As you're right, you, you were paranoid about listening devices, and then they're there. I have an Amazon Echo. I keep it on the red mode all the time, almost all the time. And it's bright. And it's, by the way, it's bright red, so it's irritating at the same time. But I'm fully aware that it's not on. I don't believe it's not on. I, I keep thinking they're probably secretly listening, even though the red light is on. Talk about that when you're using those. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to wrap the tinfoil hat around like three or four right. times here, right? <laughs> okay. So when we really think about what happened there, that mm -hmm. device turned on a little red LED. And mm -hmm. then we've been conditioned that that red light means, means that not. everything's okay and there's yeah. something mm -hmm. going on. But uh, unless there's a physical switch that mm -hmm. you're doing that pushes the thing over to the side that actually right. breaks that circuit, right. then all bets are off. That's what I uh, say. Right? Yeah. I unplug so, it now. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And hence the fact that I've got you know band-aids on my, my cameras and stuff like yes, that all over my house. Right? Although so. I do think there is a physical button on, on the Echo that you there press is. to go I, from red the red light non-listening mode to listening mode. Right. You, you do. I just still don't trust it. I know it sounds dumb, but I just I unplug it too. So you, this is the the, the glory of owning a soldering mm -hmm. iron and having mm -hmm. a lot of fun. You can actually, if, if you're the kind of person who wants to go in and look at these devices and say, "Hey, look, that button's the only game in town." Right. Uh, you can do quite a bit with it. Right. Mm. Right. But if you don't want to turn it off all the way, the red button's the way to go. But it, then again, I feel like it does make me think that it's not on. I think that that's probably fair. Right. Uh, I would say that if you're going to bring a device like that into your home, that there's just a certain level of risk that you're willing to trade off for mm -hmm. the convenience of what you're getting on the other side. So what risk is that? 
the fact that it's fallible, mm-hmm. that it's this, this thing that's listening in your house and you are relying on the fact that the engineers that built it uh, are doing the right thing. You're relying on the fact that there isn't an insider threat at that firm that's mm-hmm. then taking that information and doing something else with it. You're relying on so many different things with something that's extremely personal. What happens in your own home is, is kind of right. what we've got, right? Yeah. So that's the, just the decision that you have to make. Right. What about smart TVs? I think we've seen that those things are a bit of a mess. <laughs> I think we have. Um, I think anything you have, you have a, a lot of problems that come into play there. I think the one that really gets me about smart TVs is that there's just such a low uh, incidence of people having auto updates on the firmware. Uh, where if a vulnerability is discovered, that's it. Like it's going to be out there for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means that you know the longer it's out there, the more people know about it, the more ways people figure out ways to exploit it. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's again, right what could people room. do with a smart TV? Someone who sits outside your house, what could they do? Sure. So you're talking about the ability to. Uh, it's got eyes and ears, right? Mm-hmm. It's got audio and video capabilities on it. Uh, depending on uh, what the vulnerability is, there was an interesting one that came out a few months back. I can actually change the content of what you see. Um, so we saw an example where a guy used uh, over the air to, to, you know, you thought you were watching CNN when you're in fact you're watching, you know, hacker CNN or, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can you can do a lot to influence what's happening. Again, it's all just uh, wires plugged into other wires. So mm-hmm. once you realize, hey, this is just a signal, and signals are just uh, you know carrying a bunch of frames in a row. What happens if I replace the frames? What happens if I freeze the frames or things like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to. But listening there. is really listening in is what the issue is. They could turn something like turn on your computer. Yeah, they could they could turn things on. They can listen to things. So uh, unplugging and, remains. Un- unplugging is a great way to do off it. Off the grid, Kara. Uh, off the grid. This off is all grid. signs point to just we need okay. to just there's go also off a the great, grid. Uh, there's a there's a thought of it. There's a great app. It's actually free for people who use Mac uh, from Objective C. Spells it S E E. That just listens to what's happening on your on your on your laptop and tells you when something turns the mic on or the camera on or whenever mm-hmm. any peripherals accessed, it gets brought on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he cranked that thing on and released it, people started sending back, hey, this is weird, I saw this, I saw this, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And what they saw was that more than one application provider was cranking the mic on and then leaving it on. Uh, and to your point, even when it said, hey, it's off, mm-hmm. uh, there was a pretty well-publicized uh, case with Shazam, mm-hmm. where uh, you know if you click the button off, it didn't actually turn all the So they're off. like, oh, it's easier for us and it's yeah. easier for you. That's their excuse. Yeah, we made, oops, we made a mistake, we yeah. wrote a bug. You know, it's, what do you think about putting cameras uh, covering up I got something from the Mr. Robot people I love it I put it you know it's not a band-aid it's actual like on off screen so people can't see yep. into my yeah it's it's a camera and if you don't understand how the inside of it works then the best thing that you can do you do understand how covers work right yeah. so we can we can yeah. do that we can protect ourselves that way what, what about a, security cameras? So yeah. your old firm, Synac, I think had done a fair amount of testing around home security cameras, popular ones. We did. Yeah, we, 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 so we got in the news a couple of times for some of that stuff. So one of the ones was, yeah, it was actually anesthetizing cameras and then also inserting fake frames. So making it look like everything was well at the house when something wasn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, nice. Well yeah. done. Pretty so, sure my cat does that. That's like a Mission Impossible plot, I recall. It's, it was, it's fun. Yeah. yeah like yeah. if I didn't have this job, I'd be in jail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... There's, there's, yeah, a lot of things that we do where we think we're making ourselves more safe are, in right. fact, introducing risk. In, in do subject. you have a security camera in your home, like a drop? You know, no. Order? I don't either. I don't. I don't um, either. I have, I have probably the most low-tech house uh, yeah. that you would ever yeah, see. Yeah, they wanted to, Comcast recently put in, I can't believe I'm letting them do this, but they put in my security system. And I, they were like, camera's here. I'm like, no. Yeah. And they're like, everybody wants cameras. I'm like, not this lady. I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't like, need. Do you want to see your cat all day? I'm like, nope. Nope, exactly. nope. <laughs> I don't need the camera and when the, the convenience it provides nearly as uh, like it doesn't bounce out for me with right. and someone else could look at it. Right. Uh, and, and I kind of know what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. I know how to configure these things. I mean, that's what uh, tools like Shodan are for. That's why there's such a playground where people can go out and, and you can really demonstrate the point that people who put these cameras in their house rarely know how they work. Mm-hmm. And so it's incredibly easy to go off and just browse through. What about your own networks. cameras, like a, you know, in the teddy bear, that kind of stuff? Are those also vulnerable for if it's If it's connected yeah. and it's on the internet, then, then there's vulnerable. a potential opportunity for a problem there. Okay. Now, the, the thing here that you want to be careful about is, does it have any forward emitting signals? So in other words, if it's sitting on the internet, is it like a, is it like a black hole or is it making a bunch of noise? I, I tell people to think about submarines a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So if a submarine is just sitting there quietly, it's a hole in the ocean, there's nothing to know about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You wouldn't know to go off and attack it. But if you can hear the guys in the kitchen and there's all sorts of noise going on, then okay, that's giving them away. Mm-hmm. So if that, that, whether it's a toy or a camera or anything else, if it's exposing something to the internet, you're gonna have a bad time. 
that's why companies like Nest, uh, companies like Eero, rather than having you connect into them, they connect out to the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then your mobile app also connects to the cloud. You do all your conversations there and they can keep things uh, you know, nice and nice and tight for Which means it's off the device specifically? It's, yeah, so you're not, rather than having like a web server sitting on the device, your mm -hmm. your device is connecting back out to the cloud right. and mm -hmm. you're connecting to the cloud. Via mobile or something Via your like mobile, that. however you're Then you just have to trust Google, which is not then my favorite thing to do. Do. You have to go right. and trust those guys, yeah. yeah I do. Right. So nobody should trust anybody, <laughs> no. honestly. Yeah. No. Um, what about messaging apps? Because uh, we talk a lot about Signal and others using them here for, you know, basic things. Like I do, I did have the Echo in my bedroom, and then I removed it from my room because I make a lot of calls, like work calls mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which also can be monitored presumably. But when you're, so I use messaging apps now a mm -hmm. lot, um, and some of them, I'm worried about. Some of them, I'm not. So if you uh, are talking about cryptography and being mm -hmm. in the business of keeping secrets, it's kind of a it's, it's counterintuitive. But the more open the cryptography is, the more secure it is, the better it is at keeping your secrets. Signal, I'm in love with because it's open source. You can know how that math works. You can know how they're keeping the secrets. You can look at all of it. It still won't help you mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's just the way the crypto works. It still won't help you as a hacker as a or hacker. as a consumer? As, right? as a hacker, okay. it, won't, it won't do anything bad to you. As a consumer, honestly, you're probably not gonna do much with it. But you know what makes me feel really good is that I, I know guys who know crypto really well and they look at it. Mm -hmm. I know that guys like you know Schneier and all these other guys out there are looking at it and they've got eyes on it and they're saying, okay, this is this is fair, this is legit. And so there's not a lot of secrets that are going back and forth. Compare that with some of the other technology that's out there where it's like, how's this working? It's working because I said it's working. Right. Don't ask so many Even questions. Even other apps that claim to be encrypted. Oh, I've seen way more people roll their own crypto and sort of build their own, hey, I've got a great way of keeping secrets. This is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And it's usually this really embarrassing, like imagine like a toddler hiding behind like a broom kind of level mm -hmm. of, of secrecy that they're bringing into this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm a much bigger fan of let's let's keep this stuff out in the open. If I want to keep a secret, right. use that. And so when I communicate and I don't want people knowing what I'm doing, I use Signal. So would you do it all the time? No, like text, regular text over a phone. So the thing about something like Signal is the people on the other end also have to have it, right? We right. need end-to-end -end encryption here. What about basic texting? Uh, basic texting, if you're just saying, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late, yeah, I send that stuff in plain text. You can knock yourself out if you want to know. Right. Yeah, SMS or iMessage? Uh, so it, again, depends on who I'm talking to on the other side, mm -hmm. so I don't really rely on it either way. Uh, when you're talking about SS7, you're talking about that signaling network that's mm -hmm. underneath all that stuff, you know, that thing was built when we were like, oh, God, please, let's get a connection going all the way through. It wasn't built for security, so it's kind of Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. But... Um, an opportunistic attacker doesn't care what time I'm getting home. They don't care about right. any of that kind of stuff. A targeted attacker does. So if you're getting like your multi-factor authentication codes through uh, SMS, yeah. and mm -hmm. you know you're a high wealth person that's that's you know likely to be targeted by an attacker, you're like the CFO of a place mm -hmm. that's doing a lot of wire transfers, that's going to be bad. So what you should do is what then? Because they don't. It's only a code that lasts for a second. It's exactly right. So that's why the average consumer don't worry about it. It's opportunistic. Yeah. They're not really looking for that. They don't. They're not going to go through all that effort it takes to. Uh, get a control of your account and get your password and monitor your comms on the other side. You're talking about someone being a must-win target, right? right? And most of us, again, we're, we're not must-win right. targets. Because mm -hmm. most of them are, they're ephemeral. I use Auth, a Google Authenticator mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that because I feel like that's more. Yeah, I, I use the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I use it, it's, it's great. Um, again, the average consumer really overestimates uh, how often they're targeted by an attacker as opposed to just being an opportunity. But not having two-factor authentication is ridiculous not to have it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's a must-have, I think. It's one of those things that's just, uh, it's an opportunistic issue. So right. if you have a password, chances are, just by the math, your password's not great. Mm -hmm. uh, so as a consequence, if you don't have two-factor authentication, it's a lot easier to, to get you. If, I, if I'm in organized crime and my boss has told me, go get a 1,000 accounts, um, you're going to be one of the 1,000 that I get. I'm not going to go expend the extra calories to go catch the person that's got the hard password or anything else because I don't need to. There's just so much low-hanging fruit out there. Which brings me to password managers. Do you use one? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Do you want to say which one? Is yeah. it? I use one, one password. password. Yeah. One password. Sorry, I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, yeah, it, I can't encourage it enough. Um, and you like their scrambled passwords versus? I like their passwords. I like the fact that they give you the ability to have both um, Your own? super high entropy mm -hmm. uh, ones, but then also they'll generate just words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hey, if it's a password I have to type in sometimes, like my iTunes password or something like that, I like the fact that I can have, you know, this word dash, that word dash, another word, and that's really good uh, on a lot of things. Uh, but I can also have these just, you know, high entropy strings of 26 characters. Of, of, what about of, making of, up of your own passwords? Uh, we're not that smart. Don't do it. Um, everyone thinks they're creative. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if, if once you start playing with some of these things, like 
uh, running a, um, like a horizontal password guessing attack, mm-hmm. you start to realize that everybody uses a date uh, that's mm-hmm. from their lifetime. So it's like, you know, I don't. 1900 all the way to like, yeah. you know, today. Or address and we or don't have very many different names for our dogs. <laughs> like we all name them the same thing. Yeah. So uh, a lot of things we think are creative and slick are, are in fact novel. So it's just easier to outsource that's it. That's how I have a foolproof thing that no one would ever find out. Really? Every, yeah, everybody does. Password or a system? Oh, a system. A system. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you. But hmm. Kara because, again, it relies on the secret, and that's when it's the bad. Right, right. <laughs> right. I'm not telling you. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you can tell us here. No, it's I'm not going to tell you anything. No, I'm podcast. not telling you anything. It's genius. I actually talked to someone this weekend who was asking for advice about an account that had been hacked, and she no longer had access to it, and it was the email that was tied to her Facebook, and then she decided to create it. It was like this whole mess. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Are you using the same password for all these oh. accounts? And she said, "Well, yeah." And yeah, I said, yeah, that's oh, bad. Oh God, let's just that's let's just bad. roll back and start at you know 101. Here. So if you're somebody in that world where you're using your password over and over again, uh, Google "Have I been pwned?" Right, and go to that site and go type your email address in, or go type your username in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like for me, I type in you know T Gambacorda ad or, or you know just Tony or whatever else I might have that's out there. They've got a all the credential dumps. So when LinkedIn got popped a few years ago, Adobe, all those right. other guys, they got millions and millions of sets of creds. Right. They have those. Uh, and they'll say, yeah, you're on the list, or no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Oh. So if you've got a, a loved one who you know does sort of silly stuff like that, throw their name in there and see what happens. And it's yeah. a great way to be like, hey, uh, you really, please. Yeah, it's like Ashley Madison. You've been pumped, but don't. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So we've just thrown a lot of terms out there, by the way. And so to back it up a little bit, quickly explain, when you said HTTPS earlier, uh, explain what that means for web users. And then we're going to be talking a lot more about VPN. So what does VPN actually stand gotcha. for? Gotcha. So, yeah. so yeah, HTTP is the way that your browser is trading information back and forth. Mm-hmm. By default, there's no security on it, so you can use HTTPS, which is so to add a layer of encryption on top of it. Uh, and what that does is it basically says between my machine and the machine I'm talking to, so you know my browser and Facebook, uh, we're going to be able to to have a trusted session there. Uh, a VPN, on the other hand, is like creating a, a pipe. It's a virtual private network between my internet connection and whoever my VPN provider is. So my ISP, for example, with the Facebook thing would know that I was going to Facebook. They wouldn't be able to see anything in there, but they'd see the traffic heading over that way. Uh, but with a VPN, all they would see is a bunch of traffic heading out to the, the VPN provider. Okay. So, that they're, so they're blind to what the actual content is. So a little bit more like what you were saying earlier with the courier. You know, you know that there's traffic that's exactly forth, right. But you don't know what the package says. You don't know that's what's inside r- that's the right. package. So yeah. So if I see somebody, you know, um, you know, ninety minutes of of data going across, uh, all at about the same rate. Cool. That's probably somebody watching a movie. But I can make inferences like that. But actually knowing like what movie they are watching, or if it was on Netflix or YouTube or something else, that's all going to be totally, uh, totally in the wind. I'm not going to have any idea. Thanks, Tony. Stay tuned. We're going to be answering all of our readers' questions shortly. But first, we're going to take a quick break as Lauren reads a word from our sponsor. Ka-ching, I was actually I, hoping you would read it today because you have that breathy, no, wild that's weekend right. voice. No, thank you. That's okay. your job. Okay. Only, the few jobs you do here, I carry most of the water, but this is your job today. It's true, as everyone knows. Yes, so please read. Today's show is brought to you by HostGator. If you're ready to take your website to the next level. More enthusiasm, Lauren, please. More. Okay, keep going. One more time with feeling. All right, okay. If you're ready to take your website to the next level and not get hacked, whether you're a first-time blogger or an experienced web pro, HostGator has all the tools you need to create a great-looking website or even an online store. And if you ever need a boost in hosting power, HostGator offers cloud, VPS, and dedicated server hosting that can easily handle maximum visitor traffic. Now, Lauren, can you just say pachow after every sentence? Pachow. Okay, good. Go ahead and keep going. See? <laughs> Where did you come up with that? I just did. It's like Pachikowski. I'm just going to say Pachikowski. I'll tell you later where I came up. Okay. See what HostGator can do for your website. Pachow! Right now, Recode listeners get 60% off. I'm not going to keep saying that. Pachikowski. We miss you, John Pachikowski. Just go to HostGator.com slash Recode. That's HostGator.com slash Recode and get your 60% off. It's a noise of fireworks to say now. It's why fireworks. I just people like fireworks. Who doesn't like fireworks? I don't know. Everybody. Oh, just you probably. All right. Anyway, so we're gonna get to our readers' questions right now. You know, it was my birthday this weekend. No, I guess you told me. No, you I, didn't wish me a happy birthday. I think you told me. Oh, you, oh, I'm supposed to say happy birthday for that. Happy no. birthday. I'm sorry. <laughs> how old are well, you? Well, Mossberg wished me a very happy All birthday. Right, how old are you? I'm not telling you. All right, I'll throw you a party this weekend, all right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I will. No, yeah, seriously. Let me hold my breath. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm already having one, <laughs> and I'll invite you and make it yours now. Um, okay, so if you've been listening to the show, you know how it works. Every week, we'll take tech questions from our readers and listeners, and we try to answer everything we can. This week, we're answering your questions about internet security and privacy. 
first question, Lauren, please do. Okay. Uh, we should start off by giving credit to listener Delany Bisbee, who emailed us. It's not a uh, real name, is it? Delany Bisbee? All right, go ahead. Uh, no, th- this person is obscuring their name because okay. they are smart and do not want to be bothered or hacked. Mm-hmm. Delany emailed us shortly after the Senate voted to overturn the new FCC privacy rules that would have gone into effect later this year. And for more about that vote, you should definitely listen to last week's episode with the other Tony, Tony Rom. But Delaney wrote into us to say, I was curious if you have any suggestions for the tech illiterate when it comes to privacy to protect themselves. I try to keep in touch with what's going on in tech, but this one kind of befuddles me. I grew up and just until recently worked on a factory trawler. My sister and brother-in-law are farmers, and a good portion of my friends are teachers, loggers, and work in service jobs. Do you have any suggestions for platform users who aren't tech literate and don't work in tech? Mm, that's everybody. So I guess if we just, just make it super basic, what would you say are maybe the three or five most important things people should be doing? So yeah, a lot of my friends and family all come from the same world, yeah. right? So I'll tell you the same thing I tell them. Don't gamble with what you can't lose. So every time that you put something out there, uh, you're doing because you want to get a potential benefit. You want to possibly win the game. Uh, but there's also a chance you're going to lose the information. So uh, if you're nervous about it and you're worried about it, don't put the camera on it. If you feel like you really have to have a camera at your house, maybe put the camera on the front porch uh, as opposed to in your kid's room. Uh, just sort of common sense things like that. Right. Okay. And on your phone? Um, two-factor off. If, if you have the opportunity to turn something on for two-factor off, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, uh, use use complex you passwords. Do. Don't be a lazy. Well, yeah. no. The sad thing is you don't really. A lot of like so like a lot of banking apps, for example. No, I know. I, I yelled at banks and then they finally got it. It was so, interesting. It's, it's a bummer that more yeah, haven't Wells rolled Fargo it out. Does, and you, yeah. yeah, you have to you have to fight to the nail to get Wells Fargo in this yeah. case to do it. Right? And I've My been Twitter yelling at Comcast all the time. They're they're going to introduce it soon. I think. I I hope they do, and I hope they make it's it. It's crazy default. they don't. Because if people don't know how these things work, then yeah. they're never going to offer. No, I keep I like write Brian Roberts. I'm like, hey, two factor auth. How's that going? God And by the way, my cables. <laughs> so it seems like what you need to do is if, if you buy an IoT device, something connected, maybe don't put it in the most sensitive part of your house. Yeah. The second thing to do is use, I would say use a password manager. It's going to be a little bit expensive. Something like uh, 1Password I think charges around $65 per year. But what they do is they make really secure passwords for you and they differentiate them from account to account. They store them for you securely and then you can just plug those in as you need them. Uh, it sounds like the third thing is maybe if you're just really that nervous, like you said, there's a cost... There's a cost-benefit analysis yeah. that goes on here. And if you're like, I want to buy this thing online, but the website looks kind of sketchy and I'm not really sure. B- like, buy from people who you know and you know, who you trust, right? Yeah. Right. So, uh, Just don't do if, it if, if you found some really VPN. crazy deal out there, then that's probably not good. If you're not going to use a password manager, by the way, um, one thing that people often mess up is they think, oh, I've got to put lots of zeros and exclamation points and everything else. Go get three or four words that you know really well and put them in a row uh, and add something in between. So, um, you know, uh, cat dash lawyer dash boneyard. Great. That's boneyard. a whatever word pops into your head. The first All thing right. that comes up, All right. those those three words with a little bit of symbols between them. Very easy for you to remember. And in terms of brute force guessing it's a password, weird. pretty darn yeah. hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just it's just the way the password. That's work. one of my systems. The one thing that doesn't work is welcome or password with an at sign of zero and a bang at the end of it, right? Right, It right. fits the need that your 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 provider said it's right. got to have all these special things, but it's remarkably easy. Right. I, guess. Yeah. I feel like Brute Force would be a good nickname for Kara. That is a good nickname. That's my password. Yeah. Brute Force 1. Yeah, if you, were in, if you were in like a Marvel comic totally movie, your name would be Brute Force. Brute Force, you like that? That's my <laughs> porn name. Anyway, so next question. Utterly random techie at utterly random that. Anyway, how, how to explain encryption to people who don't follow technology a lot? When Mr. Duck and Mr. Bunny want to talk to each other and they don't want uh, Mr. Dog to understand what's going on, they yeah. use a special language and they use secrets between them. So they don't say, nice. we're going to go to a party later. Do you want to come? They use code words. Yeah. And that's, that's it. And that's we're just getting fancier words. and fancier versions of that. Nice. Well done. I like that a lot, Mr. Duck and Mr. Bunny, those assholes. Anyway. Another one. Uh, This is an email from Farzan KH. As we all know, Facebook Messenger is not end-to-end encrypted by default. I'm wondering, how does Facebook use our chats in order to make money? My primary messaging app was WhatsApp, by the way, also owned by Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I've recently switched to Telegram. What messaging app do you use? What do you recommend? Well, we talked about Signal earlier, but I guess uh, if you wanted to address that. Telegram, do you like Telegram? I mean, like I said, I love Signal for the fact that I know what's going on in it. I can't right. answer the question about Facebook Messenger because we don't get to see what's on the inside of it. Because uh, Mark Zuckerberg knows best. Exactly. <laughs> but the other thing is, hey, these guys didn't create this thing for free. All right. They didn't do it just to, to be fun. So, uh, yeah, they're probably using that information um, in, in ways that might make you a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Early on in Facebook's history, they, of course, had people look, the people worked there looked into people's accounts all the time. They fixed it. Of course. All these companies fix it eventually, but there's always like that period of time where people. Oh, I, I used to do the deep packet inspection that everybody's worried about. Uh, yeah. I spent 10 years in that space. And I'll tell you, the way that we would troubleshoot things is we would watch somebody's internet activity as they went past the wire. Hey, he's browsing this, he's browsing that. Oh, right. look, his internet connection stopped. So yeah, right. it's just yeah. The, the nature of the beast. Yeah. That actually happens a lot when I'm when I'm testing wearable devices and I find something wrong with it, the data's not processing properly, things seem inaccurate. And I, I'll write to the company and I'll say, I found this issue as I've been testing it. And the first thing they always want to do is get access to my account to watch the flow of data. And I just I just don't yeah. let it happen. And maybe they go and they do it anyway. Maybe I've actually had companies write back to me and inadvertently admit it and say, well, we looked into your account and we could see this. this, this. And I'm, I'm saying, I didn't give you permission to do yeah. that. But I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about the level of uh, granularity of data. That yeah. And also what people to. give up. I mean, I was on an airline and they were asking people's birth dates and everyone in front of me gave them their birthday. And they're like, what's your birthday? I'm like, I'm not giving you my birthday. And they're like, you have to. I go, mm, I don't. What do you need it for? Like, if you tell me what you need it for, if there's something special, and you have my license, I've already been. It was really interesting, but very few. I say pollute the data set. Oh, you I can, do. You can resist by saying no. Or you can be like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah sure. January 1st. <laughs> That's and, uh, what I do. Yeah, yeah. Always, always, always throw a monkey I, in the I, I, I think it's weekend. well known. I have a dozen birthdays on the internet. I get birthday wishes. It's true, actually. It's really hard to keep track of Kara's actual it's birthday. birthday. Yeah. And she said parties before, like you had a big uh, milestone birthday party that yes, is completely not, not around near, your Not even close. Excellent. Yeah. So, Anyway, my real name is actually Eleanor. Um, <laughs> anyway, without sounding too tinfoil hat, there's nothing wrong with tinfoil hats, Raymond, by the way. Um, how much work would it be to have all of my tech devices run through a VPN, smartphones, computers, smart TV? Is that overkill? And you can't, right? You can't. But actually, you can. So there's okay. this thing called, but it takes a lot of work. There's this thing called a point-to-point -point VPN. So what you would oh, do wow. is you would set up a VPN on your, your home router, on your Wi-Fi router. Okay. Uh, and then that would send all the information out. But your smartphone is yeah. portable. It's going to go in and out of that network. So that VPN is yeah. not going to protect it there. Ugh. Um, but it's phone. it's a huge hassle. I'm actually kind of excited about what the response is going to be to this this change and mm -hmm. consumers being upset about privacy. I think you're probably going to see a couple of the router companies offer that as an add-on service. Yeah, so that the, mm. of course then you have to trust them. Mm -hmm. yeah. But exactly. you're, so you're saying it's a huge pain to do it yourself, kind of as a turnkey solution now. But if it's built into routers, then it's I'm, easier. I'm saying yeah. If it's if it's something where I have to go and, and put a Raspberry Pi in line on my network mm -hmm. and all this other kind of stuff, that's going to stink. Can, can, uh, but like yeah, if somebody says I'll charge you an extra six dollars a month, like Euro comes to me and says I'll try you six or eight or ten bucks or whatever and then I'll, I'll pipe this off to somewhere like Germany where the uh, you know the, the privacy laws are really strict um, yeah I mean there's possibly an opportunity there. what about naming route I'm just curious because some people say don't name them your names either yeah, that Karis is named Karis Wisher lives here. <laughs> I, I'd say okay. So in my <laughs> neighborhood, in my neighborhood, there's uh, there are some people that have some some very distinct names for mm -hmm. their stuff, and it just makes it easier to tie information to you. My mm -hmm. computer's name is computer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my router's name well, is, you just told is, is you know, something else. Ooh, I know, I'm, I'm I'm doomed. But uh, you know, just don't don't give information away that you don't need to give away. Yeah, yeah. I once had a router name called John Lennon who just died. Because he, when I was setting it up, he did, and I just kept it for years, and now it's not like that anymore. Why? I don't know. It just was. It was just happening at the time, and so I just I didn't want my name on it. I didn't want my. See, name. now Wait. I know. It, but now I can. But it's date. not there it anymore. But you can then the you can date the firmware <laughs> to when uh, when you yeah, actually last time was your own. Wait, but when did John Lennon die? Didn't he die in the eighties? Yeah, but it was it was an anniversary of his. Oh, there. okay, that you makes know. sense. Anyway, it just like I like Kara. do stuff like that. Whatever I'm hearing at the time, I name things. Kara's That's like, I had an arrow in the eighties. What? You're <laughs> so you're, you get so many scoops. You're like I had the scoop on a router that didn't exist. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I like it was like something like that. It was it's a news event. Whatever the news event is, and something like that. Go ahead, next one, Lauren. Next one is from Jonathan Tanzer. When using a VPN, is the speed of a fast connection like Google Fiber reduced oh, by the question. VPN provider's connection? Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you're adding another hop into the network. So every every hop introduces latency. Uh, and if you have a, uh, you know, 100% possible throughput that's going uh, on through this, but your VPN provider say can only handle half that rate, well, then all your traffic's going to go through at half that rate, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to slow down. That's why a lot of these VPN providers compete on things like, hey, I'm, I've got lots of endpoints. I'm really close to your house. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can, I can move this traffic pretty quickly. And what about when you're abroad? I used one in China. And it, it was always, they always stopped it. It was interesting. Uh, yeah, they have a tendency to do that, don't they? Yeah. They'll knock some of that <laughs> it, was right it was almost useless. And then Kara's I just. like, I was safe. I was using China's VPN. <laughs> no, no, so but it was. I used one. It was funny because, and then I just gave up. I just, and I got a Chromebook and I just threw it out. I just that's exactly. it. Yeah, that's what, what a lot like of people do. Uh, I have some friends that, that played a fun game where they, they knew that was going to happen. So they brought a, an instrumented laptop in 
and uh, and then looked at what happened on the other side of it, and they, yeah. they had quite a good time with it. But yeah, um, if you're in a country where they're going to block your internet access, they would have blocked you anyway, whether it was VPN or not, right? They'll block half the stuff right, you try to right. get checked. So. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. What about when you're in another country like China, for example, which is the problematic country that everyone talks about? Do you go in with your email and then just never sign on to it and just let them read your email, or do you? What do you do? Well, so as soon as you cross the border in there right. and you had the email on your phone to begin with, or the creds or anything else, mm-hmm. and they took it from you at the border crossing and said, "Hey, I want to see this yeah. for a minute." That was so they could image it and then go off and do their own thing. So you're already burned. Right. Um, so I would suggest if you're going to go do something like that, then you, and you're concerned about it, that you not try to do it by yourself. If you're a, you know a consumer mm-hmm. who's traveling on business, and then you, you go talk to somebody who can help you understand. Right. Kind of so you can access your emails or whatever because you have to access them yeah. at the same time you don't want to type in a password and there's a lot or of change things the password. there's a lot of things you can do for counter espionage but that's not usually the kind of you know the stuff you find out of your kitchen sink kind of security you, you need to put some thought in you that does it help at all if you just log out of all of your usual accounts and create a kind of dummy email address just used for specific that's apps or browsing or things like yeah, that yeah it would certainly help but if, again if they take if they take physical control of your device when you go through the airport it's already game over yeah. Um, so it's it's best to just sort of keep it nice and clean. I'll tell you, like, if you were to tell me right now, I got to get on a plane and go to China, I just set up my Gmail account and and use that for my communications while I was there. You set up a new Gmail. I set up account. a new Gmail. Yeah, account. New, and like then have it forward account. there that you want to forward there. Yeah, you can forward the email to it. You can do whatever you need to. Yeah, right. That's what I did. Hmm. I had an, a phone that I threw out and broke. Yeah, which was interesting. I used VPN when I was in Vietnam, but I'm pretty sure I was looking up things like where to find the best pho. Yeah. So I wasn't super concerned about. I mean, I did have I'm access to my work email though yeah. when I was there. Yeah. I mean, I was. I was there's a, and there's work, a, so. actually a really good point to you bring that up is that don't forget when you're in one of these other countries and you are trying to actively evade an, another government, they might not think that's funny. And yeah. in this country, it's your right to to evade those sorts of controls. Yeah. In other places, it's not necessarily the case. Right. So uh, anything that we think might be cute here could uh, yeah. could wind yeah. up with a lot of country, aren't we? Yeah. We're a cute country. It's not so cute elsewhere. Okay. F. Reed at Too Low Tech, who's written in before. How do you know who owns a particular VPN? Thus, seeing your web history. How do we trust the VPNs? Um, Feeling very paranoid. You don't. Yeah, yeah. Just don't don't trust anybody. Uh, I mean, was you know the one they, you named? I'm sorry, you, say it again. you know who they are based on American private internet, and you know who they are based on their um, you know, the contract that you sign with them, based mm-hmm. on the privacy policy that you get from them, and everything else. Um, but yeah, if you sign up for a free VPN, yeah. uh, there's again, there's a reason why they made it free. Sure. Next one is from Will Pfeffer. Um, Pfeffer. He's at Pfeffer. 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 He's like P F F F F F F F R on Twitter. A lot of people cover their laptop slash phone camera. Why should I care if the mic and all of my data is not covered? Hashtag too hmm. embarrassed. Uh, so it's a device. It uh, you like to use it to FaceTime and Skype and everything else. Uh, but it doesn't know that. So if someone finds a, a way to get in there and, and access your camera or your microphone, uh, they're going to do it. Uh, the most common way they would do that would, would be with malware. So the same sort of thing that gets installed on your device when you click that email link or you go to that bad website or whatever else and they steal your, your banking information. Now you've gone from stealing your credentials to being able to see what you're doing when you're online. Right. Yeah. My, I think the camera is probably the most critical. I think the camera's, right camera's pretty darn, darn how do you, How do you turn off the mic? You just turn off the mic, right? Uh, you just put a little bit of tape over it. Yeah, you, you can you can turn it off, but you're turning it off in software, so somebody can turn it back on. Which is just like when you stay, you know, with your phone, so, when it's like, hey, my phone's turned off. I, they right. can't listen anymore. Totally, totally turned off. Like right. said, the screen's turned off, but that doesn't mean the the, the internals. Right. Off. So just mm-hmm. cover the mic. You can't really cover the, the mic on the phone. That would be a pain in the neck. Uh, again, a little piece of tape if you're that worried about it, or like yeah. to just shut your phone off, put it in your bag. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last question is, what is the weirdest thing that could happen to you? Like, what is the most, you know, you, when you're talking about the things that people are vulnerable. What's something they just don't think about? For example, I'm thinking of putting an electronic lock at my house rather than a key. Is that like stupid? Or like things like that as you start to think about automating your home. I think that people, the, the, the weird factor that comes from it is, goes in two directions. One is that hackers don't think like normal people. Like mm-hmm. I can't build something to save my life. I, mm-hmm. I know how to, to, to come at problems in weird ways. Uh, so when you talk about putting a, a lock in your house like that, and you've also got a voice control system on the other side, as soon as I hear you've got something like that, or you're using like right. if this, then that, right. I start wondering what I could do. How could I control it in, in right. ways that you're not anticipating? Sure. Um, so are yeah. those safe or more so than the keys or not? Uh, it can, Anyone can get into any house. Let's be honest. They can break a window. It, it, exactly. Right. right? So but, like, you know, like, well, good Lauren. You know, I, I showed Lauren how to how to pick some locks. Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to get in and out of a house, they're they're going to do it. Uh, 
in terms of the level of difficulty, mm-hmm. um, you know, cracking a window is a heck of a lot easier than uh, popping your, you know, your August lock or something like mm-hmm. that and, and like writing an O-Day to get me into that special room. There's, mm-hmm. just, there's just easier ways to skin that cat. So right. it's probably, mm-hmm. probably right. not as likely. Right. Um, but, you know, if you were looking at that August lock and thinking, oh, that looks really cool, I can't afford it. But look, this one's like 20% of the cost. I There's see. a reason why it's 20%, 20% of, of the cost. cost. Yeah. Uh, it's probably using a lot of OEM parts. It's probably using an old distribution of Linux and might have a bunch of vulnerabilities in it that you don't right. know about. So, so was there a good one in that area? Uh, I like August Lock. I've seen them be pretty proactive about what they're doing in their security. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've like Schlag, I think those people, they have a whole, I just was looking at them. So they're in the business of manufacturing locks. They mm-hmm. don't know a thing about, they don't have any mobile developers. They don't mm-hmm. have any, you know, uh, any guys with any kind of mm-hmm. EE background in it, which means one of two things. Either the guy who's been there for 15 years building normal locks, or like girl. Googled some stuff, mm-hmm. uh, could, could be the girl. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you wish it was the girl because then, yeah, she's probably thinking about it a little right. bit more carefully and thoughtfully <laughs> right. than the, the guy who's been there for 15 years. But he's sort of just trying to shoehorn some stuff in to get it to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they went off to a third party, in which case they've got the, they got a bunch of bids and they took mm-hmm. the lowest possible bidder to go off and build this stuff. Right. And the lock industry has shown time and time again that they'll reuse things, even really dumb things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll do it over and over and over again. Well, so. None of that, though. I mean, really, when you think about it, being in a fairly civilized society here, we all kind mm-hmm. of have this false sense of security around what actually stops people from getting in. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, it was these, they were physical things, right? Mm-hmm. The door, the window, mm-hmm. the things that we build. They can still get in those. People can still get in those, right? So it seems like the translation in the digital world is the same. There are these things in place, right? but they're sort of providing this sense of security, but really anyone can get we, in. We presume really that to. they're defenses when they're really deterrence, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the, the, the lock on the front door or the camera, uh, it's not there to keep me out. Um, I know how to knock out your camera. I know how to mm-hmm. pick your lock. It's there to keep the, the average person from, you know, right. if they're trying to decide and they're 50-50, am I going to do something bad or not? Uh, not this one. Right. I'm going to go somewhere else, right? right. That, that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. Don't, if we mistake the two things for deterrence and defenses, we get ourselves in a whole bunch of mess. we get the energizer, points. then we're all screwed. I would just like to state for the record, by the way, that I've never picked a lock even though Tony taught no, me no. how to do this. No, and I've never, I've never been in a position where I've had to get out of handcuffs but I now know how to do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's funny because in Hollywood movies, That's so they sad often that you've like, never been in a position to get out of handcuffs, but I'm not going to go into why that's sad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so sorry for I mean, you. I've never been in the... I'm just not going to get into yeah, no, it. Like get into that. Anyway, all right. This we didn't get into cars or anything else, but you'll be fine for a while with the cars. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yes, Tony, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate Made it. Made us paranoid. I'm, really, I'm going to change <laughs> right. all my passwords right now. You all should stop listening to this podcast. Nope. Change your passwords right now. Change your passwords, <laughs> immediately. please, and cover up all and of your send, microphones send and your Send the list cameras. to Lauren. Send and, the list to your yeah, passwords. She'll you, keep it safe for you. <laughs> if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did or feel equally as paranoid be sure to subscribe to the show for a weekly dose of this and also you can leave us a review at itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask we love the reviews we read them all and they really mean a lot to I us never read them but okay we Lauren love the reviews i read them all them, and i ignore her completely when she tells them about it. but seriously subscribe if you do be, be the first to listen to new episodes every friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask and if you're not on itunes uh you can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or just go to our website. Go to recode.net slash podcast, and you can find all of our podcasts there. Yes, and you'll have someone tracking you while you're listening to us. But it's good. That's a good thing to be spied on about. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts, Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has some great podcasts for your listening pleasure. Uh, the one and only Walt Mossberg and Neil I. Patel host Control Walt Delete. Which will Neelai, change soon, right? Uh, well, will be doing it. say. So what are we going to do with the title? I don't know. I mean, I think that they should just keep it. Control, Control Walt Delete. Control Lauren so Delete. So Walt is actually, it was good. just announced on Recode.net last Friday. Mm-hmm. That Walt, Walt Mossberg, after uh, how many years? 47. Something. 47 years in journalism in the past 20, about 25 years mm-hmm. in tech journalism mm-hmm. specifically. He is retiring in a couple of months. We're going to uh, we're gonna send him off with a big thing at our code conference in May, Rico's yep. code conference. And his journalism will be missed, but he's definitely still around and he's going to be weighing in on topics. we got to deal with his name. Contro- I you think have to they change your name to Walt. Control Walt I think you need to change your name to Walt Good. Walt Good. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Lauren Mossberg. All right, don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. I was just thinking, what, who's a Walter? Oh, Walter White. That's what I was thinking. He's a bad guy from Breaking Bad. He's a right? fictional character. I I still think. Oh, Lauren. <laughs> 
There's not many waltz around, by the way. Or email them to us at tooembarrassed at recode.net. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Kara's ongoing abuse of me on the show. <laughs> she likes secretly. <sighs> Thanks also to Digital Media, the company that distributes the show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson, who has agreed to be hacked by Tony mm-hmm. for the sake of this show. Yes. We'll be back right next now. week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. <laughs>